So we're continuing on looking at Jesus being over everything. We've been looking at Jesus being Lord and over different areas of our life. Um, So as a good vicar, I thought I would take the job of talking about money. (laughs) Um, Because it's an important part of our discipleship. Jesus over our finances. Giving is a fundamental part of being a disciple of Jesus. To to follow Jesus is about giving of our finances. So being part of church, I believe, of being a follower of Jesus is not about hosting lots of fundraisers. That's that's my, my view. You can read and come back on me on that one. But I don't think the church is called to to try to celebrate how much money we can gather. Oh, we had this fundraiser, £400 for the roof appeal. It's all true, we do that. But ultimately, we should be raising funds through the, the sacrificial, regular giving of the people of God. Giving is part of our discipleship because giving is centered to, around our worship. Out of our worship, we give the riches of our finances to God and for the work of God. We become generous with our money when we become extravagant in our worship. So many churches and, and you know, we get called to focus on the money. <laughs> if we get the money, then our worship might get better, our building might get nicer, blah, 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 blah. But the biblical way is it's from our extravagant worship. It's through our our embracing everything that Christ has done for us. It's out of that place that we will give wholly and wholeheartedly um, from our finances. Because when we grasp that story of Jesus, this church, this Macedonian church that we just read about, had grasped the the, the wonderful, grace-filled, love-filled message of Jesus. And we read that these Christians, even though they were poor, they knew of the richness of knowing Christ, and they were begging the leaders how they can give. I have had the privilege of one or two people from this church begging me, asking me, how can I give? <laughs> because they've grasped the story of what Christ has done for them. But it always flows out of our love and our joy for our beautiful and wonderful, generous Jesus. Jesus, um, what do you think Jesus spoke about most in the Gospels? It's really interesting. He spoke about the kingdom of God the most. Jesus came to preach the kingdom and inaugurate the kingdom, to bring the kingdom as it is in heaven here on earth. Jesus spoke about the kingdom a lot. You know, he's one of them ones, he's going to talk about the kingdom, isn't he? He talked about the kingdom. The second highest thing that he spoke about was money. And it's the last thing we speak about in church. <laughs> Once a year, when the roof's fallen through, get the vicar up to talk about a bit of money. It's, it's fundamental to our discipleship. The kingdom of God and money. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters Either you hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and you despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Jesus spoke plainly about it because I think Jesus knew the grip and the hold that material possessions can have on us. It's in every human being to look after yourself. It's from, from the fall in the garden. Adam and Eve ran. What did they do to go and look after themselves? They ran from the Lord where all their provision was from. And we as humans do that time and time again where we want to build our little kingdom, our little security, build our pots, build our kingdom, build our security. Jesus knew that we would do that. <laughs> but it's out of our worship It's out of our pouring out everything to Jesus that we find everything we need and we find everything provided for. We, We worship God and we seek his kingdom first. And out of that place, we give generously of our finances and of our material possessions. So I chose today's reading because this church, these Macedonians, they're brilliant, aren't they? I wanted to meet them. They sound friends. I can't wait to meet them. We get to meet them one day. Isn't that amazing? I chose that reading because Paul is affirming them. He's saying, like, even out of uh, this poor community, they gave richly and generously and sometimes even beyond what they had because they had grasped the story. They had grasped the grace of, of the Lord Jesus. And so often we think, if we was a richer person or a richer church, we could do more. But this turns the, the kingdom, always turns it upside down. That the, these people were poor, they haven't got much to give. But they give generously. And Paul is affirming them in that. And they see it as a real joy and a privilege. That their, their, their first response to the grace that the Lord Jesus gave to them is to give to give their finances, to advance the mission of God for others. So we give generously because God is a generous God and giving is a hallmark of our discipleship. It's our very discipleship of how we express worship. In Mark 12, 43 to 44, there's this beautiful story about a widow coming to the temple and giving her two coins as an offering. And Jesus is watching as people are coming up and giving their offerings. Now what they would have done was bought their offering to be able to go into the temple and to go, and go about their business and do. And, and so these people are bringing up their offerings, but then this widow comes up. Her offering is so much smaller compared to everyone else. But Jesus sees something in her. She's given of her whole finances, which is a picture of a worshipping person. So let me read it. Jesus, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had lived on. And Jesus is observing this, that it's not who can pay the most, but it's who can pour out the most from their poverty because it's worship to the Lord. This woman was loving her Yahweh. She wasn't paying just to get into the temple. She was praying as a response because of the Lord who lives in the temple. She gave out of her heart as worship and to celebrate who Jesus is. John um, 12, 1 to 8, we see a similar story. 
of a woman who came and took her whole life savings in, in the form of a perfume and she broke it over the feet of Jesus. This is a whole year's wages. She took in a moment and broke over the feet of Jesus. Why? Well, if we read the story before, her brother Lazarus, who had died, Jesus had raised um, from the dead. And it's such a picture of what Jesus was later to go on and do. And the stone is rolled away and, the, and Lazarus comes out alive. And now we, we fast forward on to a meal where Mary is sitting before Jesus. And this must have just been buzzing through her bones. This man, <laughs> this Jesus raised my son. This, this Jesus bring, brings new life. This Jesus brings freedom and joy and hope. And what was her response? She went off and got her life savings. It wasn't about the money, it was about her love for Jesus. And she broke it over his feet. It says this, um, Six days after the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here at dinner, um, here at a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive pure perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped um, his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas, who was later to, to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year, year's wages. But he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and a keeper of the money bag. He used to keep, um, he used to help himself um, to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save the perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Mary was responding out of worship, out of adoration of what Jesus has done. Imagine her, her brother who was, who was raised is reclining at the table with Jesus. She was responding out of love to Jesus. She, she gives an act of worship, and it's one of giving her whole finances to him. Gratitude filled her giving. But Judas is holding the money bags. <laughs> And I wonder how many of us hold the money bags in our life and we give lip service. This money could be used to give to the poor. <laughs> Is he ever going to give to the poor? No. He's given lip service to his giving, but here is Mary who gives whole life service to the wonderful riches of Jesus. You know, we can give money without loving the Lord. We can do that but you can't love the Lord without giving. <laughs> you can't do it. We've all had it, haven't we? When you walk down the street and someone's shaking a tin at you and you don't even know what they're fully giving for. Do you know the biggest um, charity that the run-of-the-mill everyday person gives to? I found this out at a diocesan event. Um, more than child hunger, people give to donkeys. People give of their money more to donkeys than eradicating, eradicating child hunger. I love donkeys, don't get me wrong. I saved up for one when I was a kid, but it never happened. I, I love a donkey. But do you know what? When they rattle the tin at you, and we, we're guilty of this in church, rattle, 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 give us money, give us money, you can put money in that pot out of awkwardness, out of having your arm twisted, 
Are you going away saying, I love the donkeys? Because actually, if you love the donkeys, you wouldn't be putting a pound in. You'd be signing up and, and giving over your, your life for the work of saving donkeys. <laughs> but you know, we can give without loving. We can pop money in. We can write a check because we, it's what we should do. But actually, the kind of giving I'm talking about is the giving that is birthed out of a place of love, out of worship. Jesus, where can I give now? Jesus, what can I help advance on this earth now through, through my giving? Jesus, I love you. Our giving should be birthed out of this place. Tim Keller um, said that when we consider how much to give, we don't just sit down with a calculator, but we sit down with a cross. And I think that's so true, that when we think about giving, we sit down with a cross of everything that Jesus has done for us. So I just want to give a couple of practical ways to think about giving this morning. And I'm going to use some words that begin with P, and this is really out of my comfort zone, but um, I'm going to use some words that begin with P, because I've never done this in a sermon before, so bear with me. <laughs> the first word, um, words that I'm going to use is that giving should always be personal and proportionate. Giving should be personal and proportionate. Personal that every disciple of Jesus, I don't expect those who don't know and love the Lord to give, actually. We're a donkey sanctuary otherwise, you know. Give because you know the Lord and you love the Lord. But everybody has a personal responsibility to respond to the Lord in that way. It's not someone else's job, like I think they work in the city, that you know they can tithe to the church or, or they're doing this or they're doing that. They're older, they're, they're, not, they're not students or whatever. We can sometimes take the personal responsibility away and plough it on someone else. And today's reading was talking about our giving should bring about equality, that everybody is, is helping one another out. It's a personal responsibility to give. And this is something we're already talking to our children about. If they love Jesus, they will start to give out things to the local church and to local mission. It's our personal responsibility from the moment we, we say, Lord, we love you, to the moment we take our final breath on this earth, we have a personal responsibility to give of our finances. I love um, I don't know what anyone gives, by the way. I never want to know. So don't ever think, I'm like, if, if I look at you, I'm not looking at you in that way. I have no idea what anyone gives. But I, I know one person that did, who, who I know did give. Um, when we, we did the vision for the, the cafe um, of, that we wanted to grow mission here at St. Michael's, the first <laughs> gift that came in for the cafe was from a child. And it was five pounds. And it was all their pocket money. It was everything they had. They were like, I want to see a cafe. Um, right, next week I'm bringing, I'm raiding my piggy bank. And they gave me five pounds. They took a personal responsibility for the advancement of the mission and the kingdom of God. And I believe God saw that. They were the widow pouring out everything and the giving just came in for the cafe. You know, we'd, we'd hit our target within a week. And I think it's because the Lord put favour on us, because we had a little one amongst us who said, I believe in that, have it all. <laughs> 
I'll get my magazine another week. So our giving is personal. But our, our giving is proportionate. We give according to our means. This isn't a one-size-fits-all of like, so-and-so does that a month, or I should try to match that. And this is something I fell into when I first um, became a Christian in our little group. They were all working. I was in debt because of lifestyle and everything like that. And they were giving one way, and I thought I had to kind of match it. But quite quickly, the Lord taught me about proportion. We can only give according to our means. And remember, it's a condition of the heart, not the condition of our salary or our income or what we have. We give according to our means. John Rockefeller, famous millionaire, said this, I would never have been able to give from my millions have I not tithed off the first job that paid $1.50 a week. And that's so true. If we learn to give from our little, when the Lord, he will begin to trust us with much, we will give. So it's a personal responsibility to be disciples that give but it needs to be proportionate. The third P is it needs to be planned. Our giving needs to be planned because we are human and if we don't plan it, something else will always come up. (laughs) We give off of our first fruits and the Lord gets our firsts and if we plan it in, that will happen. We need to plan our giving. So Mark and I, we have planned giving. We give um, at the first day of the month, a direct debit comes out of our bank where we've, we've um, sort of prayerfully been led by the Lord to give a certain amount. And that's the first thing that comes out of our bank account. It's planned. It's purposeful. We're ensuring that that money comes out because there's always stuff that will come in and that will try to rob your attention from that. So it needs to be planned. For some of us, we plan through tithing. So some of you might know what tithing is. For those of you who don't know what tithing is, it's about giving a proportion of our income. In the Old Testament, um, they gave 10% of their, their produce and their harvest and their crops. They come with their like corn on the cobs and whatever. But 10% of their harvest would be given to the Lord. And that would be given regularly. And then beyond that, there would be festivals and events that they came to and they would give beyond that more of the harvest. And so for for many, they can use this model of 10% as a good baseline for our giving. But what I find interesting is that in the New Testament, Jesus talks about it all. (laughs) So pick and choose where you want to land. (laughs) But the Old Testament people still gave of their 10%, still still gave offerings beyond that. And what I find fascinating is that these Old Testament believers, worshippers of Yahweh, worshippers of the Lord, they don't yet know about the cross. (laughs) They don't yet know about what Jesus is going to come and do. He's going to pour out his life for us. And we're going to be given eternal life that this temple that they're paying so much money to get to is going to come and freely live within us. I think they would have gone beyond the 10% if they knew the gospel of the cross of Christ. So I suggest, and it's a model Mark and I use, that actually the 10% is not the ceiling of our giving, (laughs) 
but it's the foundation. It's the floor of our giving. So we have our 10% set up, and then we will give beyond that. And it's a joyful thing to give beyond the 10%. We've sometimes received gifts from people, but we've also given gifts to people. It's a joy-filled thing. So it's got to be personal, it's got to be proportionate, it's got to be planned. And then the final P is it's painful. (laughs) No one wants to give their money away, do they? It is painful. It's costly. Mark and I just encountered this not so long ago when our car broke down. And everyone said, why don't you just get a new one? You know, get get it... You know, you pay monthly for it and things like that. And the reality is we can't afford that. The reality we found out quite quickly. Oh, but it became painful. Oh, if we didn't tithe, we could get a new car. If we didn't tithe, we could go on holiday. If we didn't tithe, we could finally get those tiles sorted out in our house. It became really painful. There's a pinch. You've got to make that decision. Sometimes it's a brain decision. It's not always worship. I'm going to break the perfume over Jesus' feet. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, no, I've made a decision. This is what I'm giving, and this is what we're going to do. That is non-negotiable. A new car would be lovely, but you know what? Seeing the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth is worth way more. Way more. So it's meant to be painful. Mother Teresa said, if you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. <laughs> If we give of our surplus, we see it at charity shops all the time, don't we? Some junk just flung outside because people can't be bothered to go to the dump. (laughs) It's not really giving, is it? If we give what we don't need, the, the, the crumbs to the Lord, it's not really giving. It needs to be painful. It is painful to give. But we've got to remember... It's in response to his great love. It's in response to his grace. That through our giving, we get to see God's kingdom advanced in us and through us and through others. It's a wonderful adventure to go on with Jesus. We've enjoyed giving so much, and we've given in all seasons of our life. When I first became a Christian, I couldn't even give my 10% because I was in debt, and so the good debt advisors gathered around me. And so my giving for that season was to get debt-free so I could be a giver in the church. And I remember that moment I paid off the last bit of my debt, and I was like, yes, I can give to the church. (laughs) I can be like others. (laughs) I can worship Jesus in this way. And from that day on, it's been a joy, and it's been a privilege to see that money come out. When Mark and I were both students with two babies, Mark, we, were, oh, we went and done studies later on in life, um, which is even harder with two children, um, we still gave out of that. It wasn't much, but we gave. We went without so the local church could go with. <laughs> We've given in all seasons of our life, and it's, it's meant to be painful. Henry Nuon said, I ask for money 
standing up and not bowed down because I believe in what I am about. I believe I have something important to offer. So I stand here today. I'm not going to bow down. Ooh, we need some money. Ooh, ooh, the roof needs fixing. Praise the Lord, our roof doesn't actually need fixing at the moment. (laughs) I'm not going to bow down, but I'm going to stand and share with you because I'm excited about the giving that can happen at this church. I stand here excited about the work of the kingdom that is happening here at St. Michael's. I'm excited that the fact that we get to give of our riches, we get to give of our finances and see God's kingdom advance here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm excited that the tithe and offerings and gifts of these people have managed us to open our building to invite the community to come in. I'm excited the fact that people are tithing in and giving into this church, that people can come to the cafe and get a free meal if they need to. I'm excited the fact that I saw one woman order a a, a tray full of drinks that was given through the, the gifts of people here at St. Michael's and could walk up to the table with dignity and get her friends a drink for the very first time. That excites me. And it's come out of worship. It's come out of giving of the people here. It excites me about what more we could do at St. Michael's. What more we could do through the giving, through our worship, to see the advancement of the kingdom. What more could we do? Our giving isn't just about paying the bills and paying our parish share and keeping afloat. When we give out of worship, when we give out abundance, Jesus cares for our every need. But I stand here excited because when we give, we see his kingdom come in many beautiful ways. I'm looking forward to expanding mission here at St. Michael's to see hungry bellies filled with food because St. Michael's dared to give. I'm excited about what God gets to do through our giving. So what does Jesus over our finances mean for us today? What would it mean for you to have Jesus as Lord over your finances? What would it mean for you to sit down, not with a calculator, but with the cross of Jesus, and to ask him, what should I give? (laughs) What's the perfume I need to break over your feet today and remember it's always out of love it's always out of worship for him and when we give there is favor (laughs) there is favor when we give i'm not going to go down the pentecostal route that if you give a tenner a hundred a turn up in your wallet it's not true sometimes you just get what you need (laughs) you give and you have to eat rice that week We've had those weeks, but there have been times when we've given and we've seen the abundance of the Lord come back on us. But there is a favour that happens on the people of God when we decide to give in to the kingdom of God through our finances. Malachi is a perfect scripture for this. So the people of God in Malachi 3, they've hardened their heart, their worship has hardened And where does it show up? It shows up in their tithes and their givings and their offerings. 
And God says this to them. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Say the Lord, the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. This is probably, I might be wrong, but I, as far as I can read, this is the only passage where God invites us to test him. <laughs> test me. Go on, test me. Bring the whole offering into the storehouse. And what does he say happens? The floodgates of heaven will open and be poured out. We will always have enough. Maybe not by the world's standards. No, probably not. But by the standards of heaven, we will always have enough. And when we give sacrificially, when we give out of worship, <laughs> oh, heaven will be poured out. And you know what? More than that new fiesta. Oh, it was nice. More than that new car. I long to see heaven poured out. Lives transformed, people saved, hungry people fed, poor people clothed. We give because we want to see heaven opened. So I want to encourage you over these coming weeks, I'm not going to twist your arm like the donkey charity. Do give to the donkey charity if you want to. But I encourage you this week to pray. Sit down with Jesus and ask him, how should I give? Put a plan in place and move with it. I want to finish with a story. Two stories. When I ask what kind of legacy do we want to leave? George Muller, a famous orphanage in Bristol to help street children come off the streets. It says that after 1.5 million pounds, which is a lot of money in his day, as 1.5 million pounds passed through his hands for the orphans he cared for, he died with only 118 pounds in his bank account. That was his entire fortune. But he left behind a legacy of 10,000 orphans' lives changed. What a legacy. What a legacy. John Wesley said, I fling money out of my hands as quickly as possible <laughs> so it doesn't find a way into my heart. John gave away 30,000 pounds, which is a small fortune in his day. But he left behind, they say, a legacy of a library, a well-known famous clergy gown, a very much abused reputation, but he left behind the Methodist church. <laughs> and I want to ask us today, what legacy are we going to leave? How are we going to worship Jesus through our giving? And we do all of this in light of eternity and building God's kingdom through our wonderful and extravagant worship of Jesus. So what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Shall we pray?
So I'm going to invite Jeff to come and lead us in worship. Lord, we pray this morning that we, we, would, we would be like that church, that Macedonian church, that we would be so in love with you, Jesus, so blinded by your grace <laughs> that our giving would be extravagant. Father, we thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. Everything we own is yours. And I pray, Lord, that we would be generous, cheerful, joy-filled givers. And Father, we do pray that we would not rob you, not hold back, but pour out that we would see heaven open over this place. So Jesus, I pray over these coming weeks as each and every one of us looks at our personal responsibility, that you would speak richly, you'd speak kindly, and Father, that we would always do it for the audience of one. Jesus, like you watched in the temple, we, we only do it before your eyes. So let us not give out of manipulation or to please me or please anyone, but to give because our Jesus loves us and is watching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Should we stand to worship together? Personal.